Beating within the heart of every human being is this basic need to belong. We love family and community. We desire to be together. One of the reasons the pandemic was so difficult is we were isolated from one another. We couldn't even play tennis together. This bond that one person has to another is essential to being physically, mentally, emotionally, even more so spiritually, healthy. Which is why it hurts so deeply when we lose somebody we love. When children lose their parents, they lose this essential connection to family that is necessary to be happy, healthy, productive. Unless they're adopted into a loving, nurturing family, that connection may never be regained. The dictionary defines an orphan as a child deprived by death of one or usually both parents. The World Orphans Organization reports approximately 140 million orphans in the world. 140 million young children who need a family to love them and believe in them, who need parents to take them in regardless of where they come from or what they look like, those parents to help them focus on their future and not on their past. Ultimately and ideally, these children will grow up to be healthy, happy, productive, and in turn will raise children who will also be happy, healthy, and productive. Scripture tells us that God has a special place in his heart for the fatherless or for the orphans. And yet, even if we have both parents still alive and still doing well, Scripture also tells us we were spiritual orphans, needing a spiritual family to take us in and nurture us, to get us closer to God. Our Father who loves us, protects us, provides for us. Scripture lets us know God has adopted us into his family. When we are born again, just like we learned last week, we are part of the largest adopted family on the face of this earth. No greater family and certainly no greater father. We're going to hear a story about an orphan who felt like he had no hope and no future until the day the king came calling. We're going to hear all about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Welcome back, God's Word for Life listeners. I'm happy to have you here. I'm L.J. Harry, your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life companion podcast, companion to the lesson guide, small group guide, daily devotional guide, you name it. We got the guides for it. And this podcast is here to help guide you along that journey as we draw closer to Jesus Christ through God's Word for Life. Today's story is about one of my favorite Old Testament characters. It's very hard to spell, even harder to pronounce. His name is Mephibosheth. But we're going to leap testaments and go to Romans chapter 8, verse 15, to read a beautiful principle that Paul wrote to the Romans. Romans 8, verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. Mephibosheth. I want you to meet him. He was just a little boy when we first see him in Scripture. And he had quite the lineage. His dad was Jonathan. His granddad was Saul, the first king of Israel. He was royalty. He grew up with all the attendant privileges that go with being the king's grandson. Mephibosheth had a bib that read, If you think my dad is cool, you should meet my granddad. But soon, he lost his dad. He lost his granddad all in one battle. And he was left with no immediate family to take care of him. He became an orphan in just minutes and no longer enjoyed all those luxuries he used to enjoy. Life turned difficult. Mephibosheth was only five years old. 
A man came running through the gates of the city with an urgent message. He was weary. He was bloodied from the battle he was running from. And he ran into the city crying out, Saul, King Saul, his sons, they're all dead. They've all been killed in battle. They're, they're all gone. The pandemonium erupted. Everybody knew the enemy was not far behind this messenger. So quickly, Mephibosheth's nurse told him to run as fast as he could, but his five-year-old legs could only move so fast. So she scooped him up in her arms and kept running for her life and for his. But in her haste to get him out of there, something caused her to fall. Something caused her to lose her grip on the little guy, and she fell to the ground, he fell to the ground, and then she listened in horror as he screamed in extreme pain. She told him, come on, get up and run, but he couldn't get up. The fall had crippled him, paralyzed. On that tragic day, his life completely changed. She lifted him back into her arms, and she carried him off to a place called Lodabar, just a little small town a long way from the beautiful capital city of Jerusalem. And from there, Mephibosheth had to learn to live with a disability he did not choose. For years, Mephibosheth lived, removed from the rest of the world, until one day an unexpected knock came on the door. A messenger stood with orders from King David to bring Mephibosheth back to the palace because the newly crowned king wanted to see him. We read that story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We can only imagine the thoughts that raced through Mephibosheth's mind. What does King David want with me? Why does he want to take me out? Doesn't he realize I'm not a threat to him? Why doesn't he just leave me alone? Isn't it enough that I'm, I can't even walk anymore? Why? Why now? Mephibosheth entered the palace and bowed humbly in the presence of King David. But he was surprised at King David's tone. Mephibosheth did not hear anger or animosity or, or hatred towards Saul's family. No, David called his name very tenderly, very kindly. Mephibosheth, a hint of compassion in David's voice. Let me ask you a question. Do you recall the feeling when you realized God, the Almighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all glory and creation, loves you? Do you remember what that felt like? King David's next words overwhelmed Mephibosheth. Second Samuel 9 verse 7 reads, And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore you all the land of Saul your father, and you will eat at my table continually. I'm telling you, this is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Mephibosheth could not believe what he was hearing. He lifted his head that was bowed in shame and fear. He looked up at David and he answered, Who am I? What, what is your servant that you would look upon a dead dog such as I am? Mephibosheth felt like he had nothing to offer. He couldn't imagine why David would show kindness, show grace, when he felt so undeserving of grace. But the king wasn't done. He turned to his servant Ziba, who had been Saul's servant, and he told him, I've given unto your master's son all that pertained to Saul and to his house. Now you, therefore, and your sons and your servants, you'll till the land for him. You'll bring in the fruits that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, will eat bread always at my table. In one remarkable act of grace and compassion, David adopted Mephibosheth into his family. He restored his royalty. And now he would live once again with the attendant privileges of being one of the king's sons. We never really know people's stories just by looking at them. But we do know many people we meet are hurting, and many people we meet are suffering as spiritual orphans. 
May God give us a compassionate heart like David had that causes us to seek out those who have been injured, who have been hurt, who have been bruised, who have been scarred by life. Each of us needs a desire to give people a seat at our table. Just like Mephibosheth was adopted by David in the Old Testament, there is this New Testament understanding of adoption. It goes beyond physical adoption and focuses on spiritual adoption. The Pauline epistles tells us all about spiritual adoption and to show us just how much God loves all humanity. All human beings were born spiritually lame. No matter how healthy they were physically, none of us could climb to where Jesus is. According to the 51st Psalm, David understood, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin, did my mother conceive me. Here's another question. Do you realize you were born with a sinful nature? Within you, within me, is this inherent sinful nature. And if you don't believe that, just watch a two-year-old. You don't have to teach them to say no, to be selfish, to steal, to lie. Just watch them. It's inherent within us. We are born as a sinner. Paul explained this in Romans 5, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, in death by sin, in so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 5, verse 12. We're all born with this crippling sin nature in our life. And if we leave it alone to do its debilitating work, we would hide away and live our lives in obscurity, never able to get to Jesus. But God has plans for us, just like King David had plans for Mephibosheth. God refused to let us live our lives crippled by sin with no remedy. David sent a messenger to the house of Mephibosheth, but God did better than that. God came himself. God came as the person, Jesus Christ, with a message to restore us. Through the gospel, the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we can be adopted into the family of Almighty God. As we identify with the gospel through repenting from our sins and being baptized by water in the name of Jesus Christ and receiving the gift of God's Holy Spirit with the initial biblical supernatural sign of speaking with other tongues, we become sealed in adoption to God. God planned this all the way from the beginning. Galatians 4 reads, Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God planned to provide a way for us to be adopted into his family, into the body of Christ. Romans 8 verse 15 reads, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. There it is again whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Everything changed when we were born again. Or if you've not been born again yet, everything will change when you are born again. We no longer live in fear of the consequence of our sins because we know we have a Savior who gave his life for us. And when we repent of those sins, he forgives us. When God's Spirit enters our lives, we receive the spirit of adoption. We're part of Jesus' royal family. Now we cry out to him just like kids cry out to their dad. Through the gospel, the lost relationship between creator and crowning creation is restored. Another question. How should we live differently once we realize God has adopted us into his family and he's our father and we're his kids? When Scripture speaks about adoption, it's not just speaking about parents adopting a two-year-old. It's referring to a father adopting a firstborn son. 
Titus summed up some of those adoption rights. But after the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7. God adopted us, saved us by the gospel that regenerates us, that forms us, that creates us brand new. Anybody who ever tells you what you once were, you'll always be, does not understand the gospel. They don't understand regeneration. God does not just upgrade us. He recreates us. He remakes us. If you were an addict, once you're born again, you're no longer an addict through the grace and the power of God. If you used to be an alcoholic, You don't have to say all the time, I was an alcoholic, I am an alcoholic, will always be an alcoholic. God will regenerate you, remake you, recreate you into what he wants you to be. We are new creatures in Jesus Christ. We run from an old life of guilt and shame into the arms of God who gives us a place always at his table. We're not what we once were. We may not be what we want to be, but thank God we're not what we used to be. And Galatians 4 tells us that we're not even a servant now, we're a son. And if we're a son, then we're an heir. We're an heir of God through Christ. We are offered, promised, what the firstborn in the family is offered. God sees us as a son and daughter in his kingdom. That's a miracle. We're heirs of Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Here's a question. I really want you to think about this one. Can you honestly say you see yourself as God sees you, as his son or his daughter? The ultimate privilege of being his child is knowing one day we will be with him for eternity. We will spend eternity with him. Romans 8 teaches that God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If we suffer with him, We will be glorified together. God's spirit bears witness with our spirit. We belong to him. We're his children. We're his heirs. Joint heirs with Christ, just like Jesus endured living in this world and one day was glorified for all eternity. We can get through this. We can get through the troubles and trials of our world knowing one day we will be glorified with Jesus. I imagine when Mephibosheth first went to the palace, it must have been a little awkward. He's one of the king's kids, and he has clothes and furniture, new clothes, new furniture. He has tuxedoed chefs to prepare him better meals than he could ever remember. He wanted for nothing. And just a few scant days earlier, he had been living in Lodabar, scraping out a very meager, scant life. But the day dawned when Mephibosheth finally accepted what was happening to him. Grace was happening to him. He might have even figured out that this was not just David's grace. This was God's grace. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 reads like this, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you an expected end. God has great plans. God has great desires for us. But if we refuse to live as his children, it'll never happen. So here's another question. Are you living in the full hope of the promises God has made you in his word? This great experience, this supernatural experience of being born again of water and the Spirit is just the beginning of the blessings God has for us. Ephesians 1 verse 13 calls this the down payment toward what God is going to give us. 
If you've ever bought a car before and you give them $1,000 down, $2,000 down, and they say, thanks so much, you just have $32,000 left to go. The down payment lets them know that I'm good for it. And here's a little bit now, you'll get a whole lot later. Well, that's a little of like what the Spirit is like in our life. God says here, this will keep you for a little while until we get there. And then there's a whole lot later. What an amazing, amazing grace our God gives us. Okay, let's wrap this up. A young couple was visiting a boarding house that provided shelter to children who were waiting for adoption. The caretaker brought all the kids out who had recently bathed and were very well-dressed, and they'd been schooled in manners. The staff was hoping the young couple would spend some time with each child and select one of them for adoption. As the couple moved down the line and spoke to each boy and girl they were looking to adopt, they still had not found the one they wanted to adopt. A little sheepishly, they asked the caretaker, Do you have any more children? The caretaker said, Yeah, we do, but... He hasn't cleaned up yet. He hasn't gotten dressed. He's really not ready for anybody to choose him today. The couple immediately said, that's okay. Can we see him? So the caretaker reluctantly agreed. And after a few minutes, one of the members of the staff brought out a young boy, stood him right alongside all the other children. He was dirty, his face unwashed, his hair uncombed, his clothes ragged and torn. He had no shoes on his feet. His head hung in shame as he stood there next to all the others who were perfectly groomed and dressed. He was clearly not a prime candidate for adoption. Maybe tomorrow. Well, let's get him cleaned up and come back tomorrow. But after a few minutes of serious discussion and a few minutes of wiping tears from their eyes, the couple said to the caretaker, we want him. He was stunned. He said, yep, I, I appreciate that, but he, he's not as nice as the other children. I'm, I'm telling you, he's, he's unmannered. Even his parents couldn't love him. That had to sting. But he continued, and, and we've been unable to get him to behave. Why, why in the world would you want to adopt him when look at all these other choice children? And the couple thought. They paused. They wiped a few more tears, and then they answered. Because we see in him the blessings of God for our home. We also see that becoming a part of a family, there's an even better hope in life for him. And feeling a twinge of guilt, the caretaker asked, what, Do you want me to at least get him cleaned up and give him some fresh clothes, some clean clothes? The couple lovingly answered, No, we want him just as he is right now. We'll take care of all that when he's finally home. That's exactly how God saw us. Nobody else saw value in us, and yet God said, I'll take them just as they are. Unlovable? Sure. Need to be cleaned up? Oh, absolutely. Did we have issues? Oh, you know we did. Were all those reasons for him to reject us and move to somebody else who had it more together? Not on your life. Jesus loved us too much to leave us where he found us. Instead, he did for us what David did for Mephibosheth. Jesus adopted us, made us his own, and invites us every day to take a seat at his table. What amazing grace. I'd like us to pray right now for the Lord to help us to be thankful he has adopted us and then to help us care for others who still need to be spiritually adopted to help us to have a heart of compassion for them just as God has had for us. Lord, thank you so much for this great story you tucked away in Second Samuel chapter 9. Thank you for what you have taught us through it. Thank you for what you taught us through Paul concerning adoption. Thank you for all you have done. I love you, Lord. I praise you for the privilege to be adopted into your family. May we never take it for granted. And yet, may we also 
be kind and compassionate toward those who still need to be spiritually adopted, those who still need to be born again into your family. God, give us a heart for them. Give us a love for them. Give us a a deep compassion to reach out to them and share this glorious gospel with them so they can be adopted just as we have been adopted. I ask you today, Lord, to help every one of us. Use us for your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Subscribe and share. Like, follow. That way you'll never miss any of these God's Word for Life episodes and you can continue growing with us and then share them with others who need to hear this so they can also continue growing. If you would like to learn more about being adopted into God's family, about being born again, find an apostolic church nearby, preferably a United Pentecostal church nearby you where you can hear the gospel and you can respond to it. You can find our church locator at upci.org. Type in your zip code or city, and you'll be able to find a church near you where you can hear and respond to and experience this glorious gospel just as you've heard it in this story today. Head over to pentecostalpublishing.com, pick up some great resources, including God's Word for Life resources, some devotionals, Bibles, Bible studies, books, music, you name it, we've got it, and use promo code GWFL10, GWFL, the number 10, at check out and get 10% off your entire order. If you've not used the promo code before, you can get 10% off your entire order. Next week, we're going to take a look at a brand new series called God, Our Judge and King. We're looking at Judges chapter 4, the story of Deborah, and we're going to learn how God brings victory. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.